Uh, welcome to Health Matters by Market Scale. I am your host, Dr. Medina Inojosa, and this is our co-host. Hi, Alyssa Johnson here. Uh, we're excited to um, to be with you guys here today on this episode. We have a very special guest that we're li- we're soon going to be talking about. But before we begin, Alisa, tell our audience again what is Health Matters about. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a mission that we're super excited to bring to you guys. Um, the idea of this podcast is to promote health equity by discussing healthy habits, preventative health topics, and relevant public health issues. And we hope to, um, to by approaching these op- topics with an equitable lens, we really hope to empower individuals to make informed decisions about their health. Great. And I have another question that I've been asking you for a while. Is this a COVID podcast or what's it about? In essence, no, but right now it is. <laughs> it's the most relevant health topic that is around. So, yeah. Yeah. So as we make every decision from where we get up and where we go and what we do and where we eat, COVID is around in all of those decisions. So for now, we're going to be teaching you health matter topics uh, around COVID-19. And this brings us to our very, very special guest. So, Alisa, who do we have with us today? Yeah, we have Dr. Elon Shapiro, uh, Medical Director of Medical Education at Altamed Health Services. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. It's Welcome, Dr. Shapiro. Thank yeah, you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. And we actually have had the fortune to work with you um, in a different capacity on the Vacuna de Ya subgroup of the This Is Our Shot movement. So thank you for your willingness to join us on this other project. Oh, the, the the thing is, we need to unite voices to make sure that you probably will hear it a couple of times. We need to start vaccinating our communities against fear with a dose of truth. And the only way to do it is to unite, um, you know, and, and, and Dr. Marina Hinojosa will not allow me to lie, but we as doctors, we're there for 15 minutes, but the magic happens outside the doors of our clinics and hospitals. And that's the most important part. And I want to be part of that. Thank you. That's very important. And that also highlights the work and that's, uh, that Alisa does in the community. And that's why we, uh, Dr. Shapiro and I, um, join forces with all our Health Alliance staff that helps us with everything we do. Just from our desk staffs to our nurses to every support that we have right now, it's all hands on deck. And beyond all the, all the things that we need to do in clinical practice, we need to focus a lot of our attention or getting our people vaccinated or people educated about what's the truth or what we know uh, helps about COVID-19 and all the other health aspects. So, um, Dr. Shapiro, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Gladly, gladly, gladly. I come from a small city called Mexico City. Uh, I actually did my MD degree over there. I always had the, the, the dream to be uh, part of public health policy. And I had the option and honor to be part of the Mexican uh, Secretary of Health. And I used to be the liaison between Mexico and the World Health Organization. And I loved it, loved it, loved it. Then um, I, I did my tours in Geneva and in Mexico City. Um, after that, pursuing my, my passion for pediatrics, ended up in Mount Sinai Hospital in Chicago, uh, and I did my pediatric training there. And uh, that was the first, my first pandemic. That was uh, the H1N1 pandemic. And, um, and, uh, and then I, you know, I was working in the uh, communities of color, making sure that, you know, uh, they knew about vaccines, they knew about options and and it was very very eye-opening that the disparities that i thought you know com- coming from mexico city that i will see a different uh, world uh, in, in different parts of the u.s and uh being in chicago actually opened a lot that you know disparities doesn't come equally then you can have a huge disparity and have amazing suffering no matter where you are and uh, i worked a lot with uh, hispano communities with the african-american community over there um, pursuing, you know, my, my uh, the, the second passion of public health, uh, it worked in Fort Myers, Florida, in the real Florida, with migrant <laughs> communities, and uh, I loved it, in a fair qualified health center. Uh, after that, I uh, had the opportunity to come to LA uh, to be part of uh, Altamed uh, Health, uh, health cent- uh, Services. It's a fair qualified health center. 
Uh, we have 300,000 patients and uh, I'm the medical director for health education and wellness for them. And uh, on my spare time, I actually have a family. I have, uh, I, I love uh, my, my passions is actually, you know, I was very frustrated that, you know, on the day-to-day -day life, I can see maybe, you know, in a 12 hour period in my office, maybe 30, 35 patients. But um, if I really wanted to make change, I needed to look for other types of uh, communication efforts. And that's why I do a lot of um, messaging through uh, mass media, TV, radio, making sure that you know we're publishing a lot of the, the messages in social media to make sure that we're empowering the community. And um, I, I have a running joke. It's horrible, but I'm going to tell you it. Sorry, yeah. tell it anyway. Um, that I, I, I like to translate medicalish to an actionable language for our community. I'm a believer that um, it's not about education because we, you know, we are what we are. It's not about, you know, a lot of the times we use education like an excuse. It's about information. Yeah. It's making sure that we have enough tools to make a decision. Um, our communities are running from one side to another. Uh, they're having multiple jobs. They're doing, you know, the best effort to maintain sanity in their families. And uh, one of the things that, that they need is actually actionable information. Um, give me enough, you know, give me enough information that I can know what happens if I do it or what happens if I don't do it. And, um, and I see myself and I try to train my, my, my team members, my students, my residents, um, that uh, we us as healthcare providers, no matter where you are, uh, front desk, back desk, nurse, LVN, MA, doctor, surgeon, it's chief medical officer of whatever, you need to feel that you're the servant. You're actually the, the, the waiter. And when they come to see you, you're there to show the menu. And there will be something that, you know, people will be deadly allergic to that you will offer mm -hmm. and they will run away from you and you need to change the, 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 the meal or they will choose something different. And that's yeah. okay too. Mm -hmm. Maybe you would never choose that part, but the promise needs to be that when they leave the door, um, they need to make sure that they are happy and happiness. It doesn't mean that they are like, oh yes, I'm, I'm, I'm getting this procedure. No, no, they need to be at peace that whatever we decided there they had an opportunity to understand where they are, where they are going, and most importantly, that they chose by themselves. I think that's a great point. I mean, that's something that I've seen a lot working in public health is that there's a wealth of information available out there about COVID, about uh, guidelines, about how to stay safe. But is that information accessible? Can people actually, um, you know, utilize it in a way that's going to be beneficial for them and their family? Mm, not so sure yeah. about it. So making sure it's accessible and attainable. And with that, I mean, I, I'd love to ask you now, what are your areas of interest in medicine? What's your, your favorite aspect of medicine? I, it's funny that actually because of COVID, I actually found it back that that part that I was actually missing. Um, in Mexico City, I used to do, you know, households. And that was kind of normal. Uh, here in the U.S. on the past, I, I came here in 2008. I haven't done one house call until COVID. And you were like, hell no. You were going, yes. We started doing telehealth. For the mm. first time, I, I was sitting in my office and I could actually see my, 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 my kiddos that had neurological issues or, you know, behavioral stuff or developmental stuff behaving differently and happy at home then I got to see that, that part of engagement. And the other thing that I love doing is making sure that, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of the times that you see a white coat on TV, oh, they, you hear a lot of things, but sometimes we, we, we are, we're experts on our fields, but we're sometimes not that expert, our expertise not to transmit information. Yeah. is to make a decision, make sure that you're safe, making sure that, you know, you have a couple of options and, and move forward. But I love actually to deconstruct concepts and actually show show kind of, you know, like a, 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 and just to put the concept there, you know, like it's like a ball. You, you, you break the ball and you see what's inside and you talk about the colors, the flavors, the textures, and you make sure that uh, your patient and the community actually understanding this part. And right now, for example, with COVID-19 and uh, it, it's a daily um uh, at the beginning was like a little adventure every day because there was something popping here, popping there. If it's 
you know, the DNA stuff, if we were going to be zombies and nanotechnology, <laughs> there was always something amazing to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 and I think we all, all felt the same way. In the first few months, we had no idea what was going to happen the next day. <laughs> either in the TV or in the news or are the, you know, we, I, I remember that for the first few months, I will check every three, four times a day, the stats and who was doing better and what was happening. And, and it's going up, it's going down. It is the first wave comparing it to 1912, comparing to everything really because our life changing a day when, you know, as you were saying, you were, you had a lesson that you learned from, from, from the pandemic, which is you can see your kids interact at home, which is a little different on when you're there in your office. That's a lesson learned is a positive one. You can take something from that. But in the other side of it, you were trying to figure out what would you were going to do in your own house and what was going on. So, so it's been more than a year and we have learned some things, but we also learned that we're still, we're still, we know that there's still some ways to go. Um, the good thing is, as I have this running theme or joke every time Alisa and I talk, either with a guest or in another setting, I always say we're fighting the misinformation of social media, which is helpful to educate, but or the you know texting or those chat groups where it's so simple to to fast to to forward a, mis a message that is wrong compared to how long it takes to actually curate the 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 competent uh, medical And it's more exciting to share the wrong one because it's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. I mean, it kind of goes back to when we were at the beginning of the pandemic and we felt like we were in this like apocalyptic movie, you know, um, yeah. and that's, it's sensational and sensation, you know, that people love to hear about that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I always mention, go ahead. No, and, and let me share something with you. We were hearing a, a, a comedian yesterday and uh, he, he, he was like, it was so impressive that COVID was ruling absolutely everything in 2020 that they actually, the Navy was showing uh, pictures and videos of UFOs and nobody could care. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> I, I remember that. It's like they, Air 51 is true. And no one was like, okay, no, good. <laughs> next. <laughs> next one. So one, one thing that I want to take advantage of is, as, as you know, Ali, even though I have a, you know, I have a fake desert in my background. Alisa and I are based in Minnesota and we spend half of our month wearing coats and it's kind of cold, but it's, it's a nice place to live. That's why we stick around. We, we loved it here. Um, but we want to hear a little bit of what was the experience down in L.A., right? What was your experiences for from from COVID? You guys were also hit by fires. You had a lot of things going on and beyond that you also had the, the disparities that are that were also experienced. So I'll, tell us a little bit about your experience and what do you want to share from, from a year ago and last week and yesterday? Tell us a little bit more. Well, it all started with something very similar to the H1N1 pandemic. Then you know, we started seeing more masks uh, were in Asia. We started having the, the troublesome idea that, you know, like, um, you know, it could come here, but we have an entire ocean between us and the problem. If it comes, we will be fine. We already know about this. And guess what? February proved it, proved us wrong. And we started actually seeing that we had a lot of issues, a lot of things to learn. And sadly, you know, the the the, the thing that hurt me the most was the that the when you have a gap between information and silence or competing messages and silence gaps, you're leaving space there for other things to creep up, create, being created, or actually just give you headaches. And we had a lot of problems with that part then. Uh, and, and, and sadly, I, I think that a lot of the conclusions that I started to see was that we learned zero squad, nothing from the H1N1 pandemic, nothing. Uh, we were extremely lucky the first round because we did have issues with the Hispano and African communities, African-American communities and um, communities of color. But this one actually proved us that when we actually stress our communities, uh, it's, 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 it's just horrible. The, 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 we already know the end of the story. Then, um, and a lot of people were asking, you know, like Dr. Shapiro, why the hell is this happening to communities of color? It doesn't make sense. 
is is this a genetically modified virus or what's happening? Well, the answer is that it took decades to have issues with social determinants of health to get to this point where, where you have like stress communities with problems with depression, anxiety, toxic stress. There's zero social justice, zero social environment, um, environmental justice. Uh, you have chronic problems, you have poo deserts, you're talking about health and wellness. Well, if, if, if the only thing that you can actually buy is hard carbs or the option that you know how to cook are only hard, high carbs, well, you tend to have more obesity, diabetes, and everything else that we have in front of us. And we have a lot of issues there. Then if you add you know, a pandemic for any type of thing, you have the same results. The people that are more exposed, they need to work out there and they need to be you know, doing their thing will get more exposure, more viruses, more infections. And because they have more comorbidities and more chronic issues, they will end up on the hospital and filling up beds. And you, we know about the fatality and, uh, and more mortality that this virus had for our communities. Um, and I started seeing that part. I, I, in, in, we had a beautiful, the other thing was that one of the good things is that we had a beautiful plan to create telehealth. And it was amazing. It was two years and we we're going to ramp up absolutely everything. And we brought, you know, like that, uh, you know, our HR, EHR and one day our patients in our community will go and, and suddenly in two weeks, we needed to implement that two-year program. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a lot of questions regarding um, how our communities would be responding to, to telehealth. Um, are, are they going to have issues with technology? Uh, do they have phones? Do they have internet? They have a lot of things. And the internet gap, it's important. It's, it's there, but it wasn't a major issue. The, the thing that I, that, I, that I saw personally was more than, the, the questions were more on the side of, um, is this is something that we want to create? Is this is something that, you know, I, I have used for YouTube channels, but I have never used it for, <laughs> to take care of myself or my kids. Then you know you started other conversations regarding you know I, I I don't know I do not know if I have an email but yes you have an email you have a smartphone you must have an email then you know there was a lot of education on on how to use it as a tool for wellness and not just entertainment and I love that process then from having probably like one thousand you know electronic medical records that we have for three hundred thousand patients right now probably we are reaching 20 20 percent of, of of all the groups then you know it, it's it's going up and that's amazing because you streamline everything. Um, we, the other thing that, that, I, that I was very interested on is that there's people that just hate phones. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, they still want to come, then that's perfectly normal. And, and we did that part. And, and not only that, with, with um, a lot of the programs that we have for mental health, for dentistry, for uh, diabetes group visits, for community efforts and stuff like that, uh, we started shifting it to the virtual world or, or like hybrid world and, and, and it worked and it worked. Then that's that's kind of the awesome part that, that we have in front of us that we have a lot of things out there to to push it to push it and, and put it out there. Then um I'm, I'm, I'm from the pandemic, I think that you know it made us, you know, as, as healthcare, especially for for uh communities of color and underserved communities, I, I think that it opened the door for a lot of opportunities, reflections, and making sure that a lot of the things that we are offering right now do not go away. Because there's there's no excuse whatsoever um, to take away telehealth uh, for Medicare and Medicaid patients. There, there's really no reason yeah. why. Um, uh, opening diabetes group visits needs to be something that can be part of the conversation. Why? Because that's the next pandem pandemic that we're going to be fighting. Um, you know, everything regarding obesity and, and diabetes is, is something that it, it, it's going to be hard and very important to actually destroy and make sure that we, we're cleaning up the house with that one. Then, uh, and, and, and right now that we are getting close to vaccinating, at least in California and most in a lot of the states already have like a date where everybody can get vaccinated. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, I, I think that, you know, a, a lot of people are, are talking about the hesitation and how they, they they grab the information and do stuff, but I'm more interested on the part of, you know, are you sure that they are hesitant or they, you know, they didn't, you know, they, they're working two jobs. Are you making it easy for them to go somewhere? 
you, yeah. you certainly this is a, the pandemic i can say the one thing that i've learned is that the pandemic has completely exacerbated all of the barriers that that um you know underserved groups have that um disadvantaged groups have i mean it, it just there was a divide and the divide widened greatly. So, I mean, on that vein of talking about vaccination, could you tell us a little bit about the um, This Is Our Shot movement? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> One day, a couple of months back, I, I got an invitation from Alex that it's an MD in Facebook, and he was trying to, um, to, to share information regarding vaccines. And uh, when vaccines were coming, probably November, December, we knew that you know the, the the messaging was going to be extremely important to continue sharing what we have, what we don't, we didn't have, and and pushing out their real information when we had it. Um, there was not a lot of there were a lot of competing messages, but the thing that started to happen was that a lot of people were translating literally from scientific magazines to English, and after that from English to Spanish. And when you translate just like that, it's not culturally relevant. It, you're, you're reading stats and it's not moving anything. They're giving you the information, but is it attractive? Is it, is it fun? Is it something that I want, you know, having competing, you know, against comics or, or, or other stuff <laughs> that I like to read? Yeah. <laughs> and especially in a busy day that, you know, you're hearing that the world is ending. You, yeah. you, need, you need to have some type of uh, information that it's, that it's relevant to you. And uh, for the first time, I, I think with, with uh, this our shot and it has like a little arm there that it's kind of the, you call it like kind of the, the, the younger brother or, or sister. Um, it's Bakuna uh, Teya and it's kind of the same thing. It's making sure that we're um, acknowledging that the community wants to hear from trusted sources of information. That's your nurses, your doctors, your dentists, your psychologists. Your people that are out there, your nutritionists, people that are out there and actually know you and tell you to one to one, like why I actually got vaccinated, why I think you know the community should be doing this. And most importantly, what what do I want to do with this? And and um, it was the first neutral forum that opened the door for one, you know not just doctors, because a lot of forums are like, oh, I'm a doctor. And uh, <laughs> you see the MD over here. Yeah. Uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, I'm going to talk right now. Th this was actually like, no, 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 wait, wait. We all have a role here. We need to, you know, amplify the message. And yes, you're a doctor. But that's awesome. But, you know, like, you know, the nurse spends more time th than you with the patient. And, and she actually knows that, you know, like the, the sibling actually died because of COVID-19. And then having that type of, 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 of conversation is ex extremely important with everybody. Then that's where I, I I think that I felt in love because it's 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 natural, it's nice, it's always exciting. You know, uh, we have amazing leaders there. Um, I, I can uh, share Atul Nakasi. We we have uh, Hussein uh, uh, Lalani and and Alex. They they are like and you know there's like a huge list of people, but those guys, those are part of the the founding fathers and a lot of. Interestingly, influencers, uh, by influencers, like people that have been in social media that are putting the word out there on a positive side. Uh, there's always haters and there's yeah. always people that want to do whatever they want, but most of us are afraid. We are. We are. And, totally are. And, and, and we're feeling a lot of information and we need to protect ourselves in order to protect our families. We are afraid of dying and suffering. We have seen it. We have seen in our countries, Mexico. You know, you know the the main the main you know cemetery is almost packed, and, and you're talking about like a huge, huge one of the biggest ones in, in in Latin America, and it's packed. Then you start seeing that part, and you see the mortality aspect of it. And um, unless you have enough information to make sure that it's not just waiting, it's actually I'm I'm ready to act, and sometimes. You know that vaccines are good. You know that it has been saving us for a long time. You know, we, you know, a lot of people in the US haven't heard about polio. They have never heard about yeah. cough. They have never heard about missiles. Um, and, and, and that's awesome. That's beautiful. But I have seen kids die from uh, whooping cough. I have seen kids actually die from meningitis. I have seen kids with missiles and it's horrible. And 
most of our communities understand the importance of being protected. Right now, we need to make sure that they have enough information that they feel comfortable to take a decision. Yeah. And that's what I love about Yeah, yeah and, I, and I love it too. One, there's, there's a few things that I, that I love the most. One is the array of people in the movement, right? Because as you, as you said before, you know, MDs do sit down for a fair amount of time and try to help their patients make their decisions about procedures, about preventive medications. We, we, we don't get, we were not that successful in getting our patients to eat well and exercise. So maybe for preventive strategies, we're all not that good, but we don't, <laughs> but as you said, not all of us are extremely good healthcare communicators, right? In Bakunatea, we have, we have, and, and in, this is our shot, but in Bakunatea, there's graphic designers, musicians, communicators, social media influencers, people, and, and people from all types of backgrounds, every nationality and everything. So it allows for the message to be acculturated, but across the cultures, which is cool, right? When we were talking about the logo and the colors in the logo, there were several reasons why we had to have every color in the logo because someone might not like red, but this <laughs> means this one for the yellow means this and that. So we basically are trying in some way to individualize the the message to the to different cultures and we might say well the we we want to keep this message open we might maybe stay away from this message for one reason or the other but that array where we join hands with every, and, and help the community is what i'm most excited about so it's pretty cool and i and i really really like it yeah and i think that that's the thing is that this movement is is so special because it's from within. It's not um, some stuffy public health department translating and Google translate some weird rules that don't really make sense to anybody because they don't have the explanation of why Why do I need to wear a mask? Why do I need to have social distancing? And they just say, oh, is this the government telling me what to do? It's like, no, this is messaging that's born from within with people who have seen firsthand the absolute urgency of the situation that we're living in and the necessity for these communities to get vaccinated. So I think it's much more efficient than, because um, you know, it's not from the outside looking in, it's from the inside looking all around us. I, I completely agree. And, and that's a perfect summary of this. And it's fun. Trust me, you know, like, and, and we know that we're in healthcare, we, we have so many tough decisions to make every day. And, 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 and sometimes it's hard, but with this it's like for the first time and, and there's you see people from from like right now you know I'm, I'm in LA you're in Minnesota you know there's people from all over the place at different hours and with a lot of passion to push you know information out there and, and I think that's the most important thing that we have absolutely yeah. yeah would you be willing to share with us just some of the barriers to vaccination that um for example community of communities of color are facing right now Oh, yes. Um, and, and I did this exercise. Um, it, it's getting better. And I did this exercise with the website of California. At the beginning, it was horrible because you, you, you had like at least five different websites where you can try, try to get your shot or try to get on the list. And um, most of them started in, 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 in in Spanish, some of them Google Spanish translation, and they ended up all of them in English. Then you know you started a beautiful pathway, and and they have no worries if you have issues. There's a cell phone or a phone to call. They, okay, I will call. You get the, the, you will be hours there waiting. And right now it's getting way better. But mm -hmm. those were a couple of things. The other thing is that, um, yes, I'm, I'm on the list. How do I get there? And, and they, they started to have like these mega sites that they were, you know, like, for example, here in, in LA, it's, it, we're blessed to have the Dodger Stadium and they had everything there. But guess what? There's no public transportation. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to get there is a hassle. You know, like, no, when you get there, it's very efficient and, and they take care of you and they, it's, it's awesome. And you're probably one hour there and you're out in your own car, but you need to be in your own car. Then uh, that that you know transportation was an issue. The other one is that um, you need to choose. You know, do I work or do I get the vaccine? Yeah, that's another hard choice. Like, well, what do I do? 
then needed to be like open place where, where you have a lot of access to everything. Then there, there were a couple of things and language barriers. And, and the other thing is, you know, the waiting part. And let, let me show you with one of the, the, the hard stories that we had, we were calling patients because we knew that um, it was hard to schedule them. Then we're going to be calling them and schedule them, you know, by the moment they were calling them. And uh, on the first batch, we were calling, you know, El Señor Jose. And I called with one of my co-workers called Mr. Jose and he was like, uh, is there, Mr. Jose is there? And they were like, no, he's not here. Like, okay, no worries. Can I, when is he coming back? I will, I have a good news. I want to call him back. Like, he's not coming back. What do you mean that he's not coming back? No, he died from COVID last week. Then that story, we heard it a couple of times, not only once, a couple of times. And we were actually calling more than 1000 patients that night. Then you know it's extremely important right now that we understand that um, it's it's not the telephone, it's not the internet, it's not the transportation, it's absolutely everything, and making sure that we have a rainbow of colors. I want to have surprise parties with vaccines. I want <laughs> I want mobile units to go to supermarkets. Yeah, I want I want I want absolutely any excuse to offer a vaccine. Um, and 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 I think that we're getting slowly there. And, and I love that there's like this, comparing to other countries, this public, private, conventional thing that it's happening. And, you know, we can decide and, you know, if it was one more month or, you know, it was perfect or not, but there's a lot of good things out there uh, that are making a huge difference for our community. Then uh, I think that we're going on a good pathway, but yeah. um, it's extremely important to help each other. No matter in which community you live, you need to help each other because, um, and, and I heard this with, with a lot of my African-American uh, uh, coworkers and friends and, 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 and people that were in Bakuneta. Yeah, it, it's not, and, and, and this is our shot. It, it's sometimes it's not hesitancy. It's actually being able to have an opportunity to get vaccinated. It's like, I want the shot, give me, give me a shot, but I don't have space. I don't have this. Then the barriers are other stuff. Then making sure that we're hearing what's happening out there and we're reporting it and you know another thing that was happening in a couple parts of the country they were asking for social security numbers yeah why or or an id why yeah why yeah it's just barrier after barrier so you know when when they when people talk to me about low vaccination rates in diverse communities or in the, in the like hispanic community in particular i say well you know, it's not all about putting a pretty flyer up and saying, go get vaccinated. You need to say, okay, let's say that they do say, yes, I do want to get vaccinated. Where are they going to get vaccinated? How are they going to get to their appointment? You know, think through the logistics of it. It's not just um, an ideology problem. It's uh, a, a systemic problem that needs to be addressed on various different levels. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Dr. Shapiro, I was, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're from Mexico. I'm I'm from Venezuela. We both train in our countries back home, and I remember at the beginning of of the the vaccines ro rollout that I was talking to a, to a Mexican coworker, and I was saying, "Hey, do you remember when you were in med school and they gave you a little cooler with a bunch of you know uh, with a with a little thing you know to write down a notebook and say, write in this notebook who do what did you give to and just go to that hood right." And I said, I wish we could do, I mean, there's several reasons why we need to be as organized as we are. And that's great. But at the beginning, I was like, just put, let's get some coolers and backpacks. Of course, you know, the, the, for, the, for the reasons of, of the temperature and all that, the vaccine is, is, is not there for, for us to get on a backpack or take a little cooler with a bunch of syringes and go do it. I wish we could, because I know a lot of us that are from Latin America, we wish we could. It's what it's out. coming to, though. I yeah. mean, you know, now in Minnesota, for example, the Department of Health is, is really investing in mobile vaccination clinics. They're taking a, you know, a, a metro transit bus and they're scooping out all the seats and they're. Yeah setting up a vaccination station there so i think that that idea is i mean it's, it's good. just go to the people don't make them come to you <laughs> yeah i think that's one of the ways that we that we um help uh, with this parity. but that's something that we learned from our countries and and it, it we didn't go to a fancy neighborhood to do that we went to where the people actually needed didn't have all, all any of all, all of these barriers we're talking about uh we have to 
um, address some of these barriers, for example, with the work that Hacer does, where there's a hotline where people can call um, and help get the vaccine navigators, you know, help get a um, get an appointment, et cetera, et cetera. One thing that, that we used to promote a lot or we still do is what's the differences and requirements, different requirements depending on where you're getting the shot. Sometimes in, in some pharmacies, they might ask some IDs and that might not be the convenient place for someone that might not have an ID, but you, we gotta get the message out of here's where you won't, even though we tell every, all, every show, every time we say this information is not gonna be shared, we just need your information to call you back to get your second dose, to make sure that you're doing well, to monitor your systems, to be safe, and all those techno the, all those things that are out there for our safety. So I like mm -hmm. the organization. I wish we could be a little bit faster, but I we're getting there. We're doing it very fast, and I think we're getting to the point. We're going to get to the point soon that there's going to be more vaccines available than, than people to get them, and that's where we, we're going to have to really start pushing for the real hesitant people or the people with real barriers. Yeah. So for now, we kind of know what's there. It's transportation, it's language, it's some immigration problems, just concerns, IDs, having an ID, et cetera, et cetera. Some people might have to take 20-minute bus to get to the vaccination side. That doesn't uh, work very well. But we should work together as communities to address them. And I think that's one of the things, one of the many things that Bakuna de Yan, this is a shot, uh, it's uh, helping out. Uh, I really like the, the idea of, well, it's not, we're not Google translating anything. We're making it specific for the culture. And that's what Bakuna de Yan is doing for our uh, Hispanic and Latino communities in the United States and, and, and outside the United States. Um, we saw, I don't know if it's public yet, but that Bakunaso thing campaign that was out there in one of the meetings, that's pretty cool. There's many things that is happening. So make sure to, we'll, we'll put the website and other references of Bakunateya here um, in the description of, of, of this episode. Uh, but it's really, really an important movement that's going on. Yeah. And, you know, talking about these barriers, definitely in Minnesota, kind of the theory is like, if you know somebody that needs a vaccine, help them get that vaccine. I mean, I remember calling tons of places to try and get my mom vaccinated, my dad vaccinated, my neighbor, you know, and everybody's sharing all of the open vaccine um, event registrations and all of that. Um, could you tell us more, you know, in California, is that the, the similar type of, um, you know, kind of rationale that people are using? Or what would you suggest that people nationwide do to help get others vaccinated and over overcome these barriers? Um, I, I have a, a very good friend of mine, Dr. Daniel Turner Lloveras, that uh, we have been together in, in the National Hispanic Medical Association and other, other um, points of contact. Um, we have seen um, a lot of the opportunity. He's creating something called Digital Compañero that, you know, it volunteers people to actually call people to get, you know, to get them then for example if, if you know someone and has issues you call them and they will actually do liaison and volunteering part of absolutely everything to make sure that they get vaccinated um and that's kind of the things that we should move forward with and making sure that we are creating those those pathways because there's there's a lot of people in the communities that want to help other people we just need to give the tools you know uh, we have other countries that you know have used this for immigration you know like if, if you have migrant people coming in, you know, the best way is actually to use the youth to actually teach, you know, the parents and the grandparents languages or skills, then, you know, we need to start using that because we have the tools there and, and, and so you can push it to YouTube and that will be awesome. And you, you're there and you're putting absolutely everything. Then um, the important thing is to, to act upon it and, and, and make sure that you're doing a difference right now for the entire community. Um, and, and you need to hear what what are the needs of the community that's the other thing because one thing is what we think they need and the other thing is the reality <laughs> of what i actually need then we we don't need to have our huge egos like oh yeah the, the research paper because we have the huge egos um uh everything that we did in the past 14 months in, in bull heights la county orange county with our community of color was not going to be able to be done in telehealth and, and we right now up to like 50 to like 40 to 50 percent, um, you know, uh, telehealth, uh, you know, uh, visit rates then from zero to 100. And right now we're leveling between 40 and 50 percent. And that's 
you know, if we were, no, no, they don't have internet. They don't have no idea how to do them. That's that's not true. We need to give opportunities to everybody. Most importantly, we need to leverage something that we know as healthcare providers and wellness providers is that we need to leverage our promotoras, our community workers, our psychologists. We have so many people out there that can do them way better uh, opportunities and, and things than us. Then we need to put that out there. I tell you, when I hear testimonies like yours, uh, Dr. Shapiro, it makes me happy and joyful to be a human. Humans helping other humans. We try to, at least some of us trying to figure out how to help each other, right? It just makes me excited uh, about everything um, and about coming back to normal, about helping others, understanding that there's a lot of th pieces that we're going to have to pick up. And, but, but it makes me happy. I have another question for you, and I, I we probably ask this question pretty frequently, but it's why it, the, the message is, is equally important. What's the best vaccine? And don't tell, don't answer it with numbers. What is the best vaccine? <laughs> no numbers allowed. Uh, I, I, I never had done this before, but I'm actually going to tell you for sure which one is the, the best one. The one is the best vaccine is the one that goes in your shoulder. That's the best vaccine that we can ever have, ever, forever. Then it doesn't need to be in the fridge. Doesn't need to be in 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 a, in a freezer. It's to be in your shoulder. Yeah. That's actually a working vaccine, and that's a great vaccine. We're lucky here in the U.S. that we have three shots: uh, vaccine, you know, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson and Johnson, and they are you know working. And there are three of them are actually protective of dying. Three of them are protective of going to the hospital. Can you get sick? Yes. Can you get a little bit of, yes. Can you die? No. Can you end up on the hospital? No. Then that's the thing that I want. That's, that's actually what I want for my community and my family. That is exactly the answer I was hoping for. But let me ask you a follow-up then. What about the Johnson and Johnson and some reports that we had today about clots and about them reviewing something. Tell me a little bit uh, about that. What do you think in that context? Well, first of all, a lot of people are like, oh my God, in panic mode, we need to, first of all, there's nothing to panic yet. There's, there's a little bit of smoke. There's no fire. It's not even warm. Then we need to just go step by step. That's the first thing. The second thing is I feel reassured that we have a system like the, uh, the CDC and the FDA, they are monitoring what's happening out there. A lot of people were like, oh, no, this word doesn't work. Oh, now we know that they work and they're watching. And that gives me a lot of, you know, peace of mind. Going with the numbers, six cases to date from almost 7 million doses given in single doses, that's, that's equally as 7 million people. Then, um, and, and you start comparing with numbers, and I hate like playing the number game because you know um, it's kind of boring. But this is the, the 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 entire thing. If you smoke, you have probably like twenty thousand times more possibilities of even if it's true. This is even if it's true. If you smoke, you have on the thousands more opportunities of having you know uh, uh, actually like a clot. Um, if you get COVID-19, it's logarithmic mm -hmm. compared with what yeah. we're having right now. And if we, you know, and, and you can go lower, lower, lower then. Um, and, and I think that and, and that's like zero uh, smoking is zero one point something percent. Uh, you know, birth control pills is between zero Point five to one percent around that. Exactly. Uh, mm -hmm. if, if, if you go with with a vaccine, it's zero point zero 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 something. Yeah. Like then, and and I have, and and this is one of the things that to put perspective on this. You have heard about cars, right? Yeah. Cars. Yeah, of course. I'm seen, familiar. I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah. Or, or bosses <laughs> or something. Um, there's more probability. In, in, and just by using it once, not on daily basis, once your car, you have more probability of actually having a horrible accident there than getting a vaccine, one-to-one one one ratio. It's more probable that you get a lightning hit your head than getting a horrible side effect from these vaccines. 
and I'm seeing vaccines and, 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 and I'm going to rant a little bit on, on that part afterwards. <laughs> then you have a lot of things there. And of course, you know, like sharks are between car accidents, being <laughs> eaten or bitten by a, by a shark and lightning. And after that, you, way down the road, you actually have the vaccines. That's why it's so important that us as, as healthcare heroes, we need to make sure that we're always saying the name and last name of the vaccines that we're talking about. Um, why? Because there's 210 vaccines being created in the world. In Mexico, we have three that we're developing. Um, and here in the U.S., at least we have three that are, 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 uh, are, are FDA approved. Yeah. Then we have a lot of options out there. Then we need to always say, you know, COVID-19 vaccine from Pfizer, Moderna, and, and, and uh, you know, uh, Johnson Johnson. Why? Because, for example, right now, if Johnson Johnson has any problems, it's not the fault for Moderna and, 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 and Pfizer. Yeah. They're the same family, but if they did a crime on the other side, let them pay the you know, yeah. entire family. Then we need to make sure that we, we're distinguishing this. And uh, I, I hope that after the meeting tomorrow that we'll have more light on what, what, are, what other things we have to do with this. And uh, you know, a, a lot of people are speculating on why females, why only six and why after three weeks and there's a lot of whys and a lot of things but we need to consider and they need to be checking you know like smoking um smoking patterns they need to check you know uh, uh, you know wh what about hormones because we know if, if you're using hormones you have higher probability of having you know thoughts and, mm -hmm. and you have a lot of things out there that need to be clarified and the most important thing is it's it's feeling safe that you know right now these vaccines have been given by millions of doses 150 million doses in the entire u.s for moderna and pfizer johnson and johnson uh, seven almost seven million then you know it we're getting to a point that we have enough data to figure out where we want to go yeah, yeah. and uh, so i think that a really important thing to mention about this i mean dr camila cardenas when i was speaking to her earlier today she said you know what this is a pause this is not a massive recall this is not you know, crossing out this vaccine forever. This is a pause to say, hey, let's evaluate these cases. Let's see what's going on. Um, it's it's not raising the alarm bells. You know, this is just a, a scientific pause on it to take a look. If at all, it should be reassuring. And it makes me, I mean, I'm sorry for the six, seven people that had, you know, that had the clot, but earlier when we started the vaccine rollout, we said that there were agencies out there looking out for your, well-being. And in reality, all that we do in the healthcare field is help you make informed decisions, as Dr. Shapiro was saying, Shapiro was saying about the benefit, how the benefits outweigh the risk. And that is in everything that you do, from eating a cheeseburger, right, from drinking a beer or smoking a cigarette, to taking a walk, because even by taking a walk, you can fall down and have a sprain. So in everything that we try to teach, it's, 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 you have to weigh the risk because there's a risk for everything that you do. Millions, and, and one thing that I that I learned from Dr. Benacloche, which is a um, infectious disease uh, that trained with um, Dr. Fauci that he's now works here at Mayo, he said, people are gonna get sick, people are gonna die when they, after anything, like after you get a shot, you are gonna have the normal course of life. So we need, we are figuring out, and the meeting and the data, they're looking at that, they're figuring out the cost. It's suspected that where there is much scrutiny and active surveillance that for us to fi find some things. One of the things is um, that we need to understand is that it's working, that surveillance is working. I have some numbers here that, that I want to add to what Dr. Shapiro said uh, for, for you, for the listeners who have in perspective. One in every five hospitalized COVID-19 patient, about one in every five uh, uh, hospitalized patient gets a blood clot. That's a number for you to know when you're taking that decision. One in 3,000 women that have oral that take oral contraceptives get a blood clot one, once in their lifetime. And again, as Dr. Sacido said, one in almost a little bit less than one million uh, people that had the Johnson & Johnson um, vaccine um, get a clot. Compare that to the chart, to the lighting, to the car, and you have there the decision, the informed decision for you to make it. Uh, the importance is that we follow that recommendation that Dr. Shafsito said. The importance mm -hmm. of the vaccine is to put in your shot. Once the data is reviewed, 
they tell they will follow the guidance from the experts and we will continue advocating for that. Is it going to be harder a little bit for the Johnson to get the Johnson and Johnson vaccine? It will. We're going to try to help out to, so people understand that the important thing is for you to get your shot. So, yeah. um, and one of the best things to think about is, I mean, we're going to keep you updated. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. always talking about these things and, um, Certainly in our upcoming episodes, we'll talk about the studies of what they found out with Johnson & Johnson. Why were people getting blood clots? I mean, that's certainly something we're going to have on our minds. Um, but speaking, you know, of um, the importance of being vaccinated and how relatively, you know, it's, it's quite, it's extremely safe to get vaccinated. Uh, Dr. Shapiro, now that you are vaccinated, you've had your two doses, um, you know, what are you most excited to do now? Or what are you excited to finally be doing again now that you're vaccinated? I have a horrible side effect that it's called peace of mind. <laughs> that, I, yeah. that, I, that I feel that um, I, 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 I am right now on, on a pathway to share my, my feelings that I vaccinated myself for me, for my family and for my community. And making sure that you know anybody that needs information to share it, and um, I, I I really see this as the beginning of a new era, and I hope that you know a lot of the the errors that we have done in the past regarding weight management, wellness, stress management, resiliency, we end up creating communities that are more resilient, and we end up vaccinating everybody against fear with a dose of truth. Uh, that is probably the best closing remarks that we have mm -hmm. for this episode. Dr. Shapiro, I would like to thank you so much for taking the time to join Alisa and me. Um, thank you so much again. Uh, we will see you in our Vacuna Teya meetings and we'll probably we'll be hanging out with you in person one day when things go back to normal. That's the, what I'm looking forward, hanging out with friends and being close to the people uh, when we slowly start being able to do so. So this was Healthcare uh, Health Matters by Market Scale. Uh, we thank you all for listening and thank you, Dr. Shapiro, again for being here with us. <laughs>